now that Christmas time is coming upon us, with great anticipation, everybody's thinking about what to get, what to give, what to do. I'm not there yet. The fact that we're uh, studying on the Messianic prophecy, it's really about Christmas. Because Christmas is not something that we just simply celebrate. We celebrate because it was foretold in the Bible that this would happen. That's where the power is. That's where the amazing uh, God's uh, grace is. That he foretold us the coming of Christ Jesus. And it was fulfilled. So we'll continue this series on Messianic prophecy. And before this series, we studied the series on spiritual gifts. And I like to tie the spiritual gifts and Messianic prophecy together. Because they go hand in hand. And one of the spiritual gifts that we studied was spiritual gift. A prophecy. So whenever you hear the term, the word prophecy, I know many of you get confused. So if we talk about spiritual gift of prophecies, that means I have ability to foretell something. Not necessarily. Not always so. But there are fundamental differences between the two that we must recognize. What's the difference? The spiritual gift of prophecy is given to us in the New Testament, in the New Testament, for edifying one another, helping, encouraging, and comforting so that our faith can grow through each other. 1 Corinthians 14 34 clearly defines that. But everyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening, encouragement, and comforting. It's not about foretelling what's going to happen to a person or two. However, Messianic prophecy is different. Are given by prophets of the Old Testament, the Old Testaments, who receive the word of God directly from God, which means these words have been recorded in the Bible, the exact words were recorded in the Bible. Whereas when we exercise spiritual gift of prophecy, these words are not in the Bible. But it is uh, words that come out through the Holy Spirit that to encourage, to, to help, and to comfort one another. It's a difference. What is the relationship between the messianic prophecy and the spiritual gift of prophecy? Knowing the messianic prophecy gives us assurance and confidence of all things in life, a purpose by God. And that with that we can give each other through the power of of a spiritual gift of prophecy in strengthening, encouraging, and comforting one another. When we are confident in something, then we can speak to one another with confidence. That's the relationship. So far in this series, we talked about 
his lineage, genealogy, his birth, his ministry. So let me review quickly about lineage. What was foretold about his lineage is to be comforted for all of us. Lineage, we think about the bloodline. Remember I mentioned when I went to Korea about several years ago, visited where my father was born, from, and I went there the first time, and I found that they had a book, genealogy book for my ancestor. It goes back to 600 years. I was like thrilled that my genealogy, my lineage goes back to 600 years, back there somewhere in Korea. But if you read the Bible, I realize my genealogy, my linkage, genealogy goes way beyond 600 years. You know how many years? 6,000 years. Because from Adam and Eve to all the way down to Christ Jesus, 4,000 years according to the According to the Bible. From Christ to now, it's 2,000 years. Combine them all, it's 6,000 years. But what's the relationship? Yes, but in time, Adam was, was, was created until Jesus. It's talk about bloodline linkage. But the very beginning and the very end is not a bloodline. When God created Adam, it was done through the power of of Holy Spirit. God breathed his Holy Spirit into Adam and became life. And Jesus Christ was not a bloodline. He was conceived through the Holy Spirit. You and I, when we become a believer, we become believer through the power of Holy Spirit. So as soon as we become, when we proclaim that Jesus is our Savior, we become God's child or children. So therefore, we go right into Jesus' lineage. So be confident. What does this mean? Give confidence. If you feel like, I don't have any relationship. I don't know my ancestor. I don't know. I'm a nobody. I have a small, limited family. They don't really care for me. I'm nothing. No, you're not nothing. God is saying to you, you go back to 6,000 years. You are in my family. You belong to me. And we talked about his birth. Everything about his birth from place of woman, uh, that he'll be born of a virgin. Even his name was all foretold, and they were all fulfilled. And more importantly, the timing of his birth was foretold. It was told that Savior will be born 490 years from the rebuilding of the temple of the time of Nehemiah, and it happened so. All this gives us confidence. It gives us courage. It gives us just about everything that will be done in his time. It's giving us the confidence. Not only he, God foretold what is going to happen, he told exactly when and how it's going to happen. 490 years later, Christ will be born, and it happened. Here's the point. If you get laid off, 
have faith that he'll come through. But in his time, that's the confidence that we're supposed to get from the messianic prophecy. If you get rejected by friends or whoever, God will restore in his time. Because we don't know what that time is. In his time. When you're in trouble, when you're suffering, he will restore in his time. Then we talked about last week, ministry of Jesus. Messianic prophecy is about the gospel, the grace. And Jesus preached the gospel to the poor, poor in spirit. He preached the gift of grace as to why he came, that he came to save, he came to serve. He gave us the comfort that his gospel brings, the truth the gospel brings, and it was fulfilled. In the next several weeks, we're going to be talking about his offices, deity, his crucifixion, salvation, and his ascension to heaven. And today we'll talk about something that is so close and near to your hearts. How Jesus was mistreated and misunderstood. It's something that we go through on a daily basis. That it's been foretold in the Old Testament, that Jesus will be mistreated and he'll be misunderstood. Look at, looking back at my life, I have been mistreated, misunderstood, just like many of you. No, in fact, just like all of you. Having been mistreated, misunderstood, it hurts. It hurts more than Simply being rejected from when you were young, asking for a date, you know, and the girl rejects you. It hurts. But being mistreated, misunderstood, hurts far more. It hurts more than being rejected from interviews, even college admissions. And I think of a few colleges that rejected me. Villanova University. <laughs> Yesterday I was went to New York uh, to give a message, and they were just talking, and then this lady was so proud, this person, and I go to Villanova, how far is Villanova University from your home? She says, only like 10 minutes. Wow, that's awesome. And I said, jokingly, I don't really like Villanova. I said, why? It's a great school. It is a great school, but they rejected me. So we had a good, good laughs. I was mistreated when I was growing up, I lived in leprosy colony, and they took me as the gangster of leprosy kids. I was mistreated when I came to the United States back in the 1960s. You know what the temperature environment was like in the United States. I was mistreated because I didn't speak English, and I was from poor Asian country. My older brother misunderstood me, and he mistreated me. And I want to 
his and life to be so together. I wanted something to share. What is that I can share with him? Because this, we had nothing in common. We haven't really talked, even though we live in the same house. Because there's so much difference about the two, two of us. So when I started to work and made some money, and I decided that I want to buy a home, a house, in, in Marlton, New Jersey. It just house came about. So I bought it. Instead of just putting it under my name, because it didn't take much money at that time to buy a house. So I used my money, but I entered into deed his name and my name. I did that because I wanted to build a relationship, something that we can talk about together. I was hoping that he'll call me, how's that property going? Oh, it's going great. That's great, brother. Awesome. No, I got none of that. When the rampagement payments come at the end of the years when we had to do a tax report, he'll begin to question me as if I held up some money. He criticized for what is perceived as mismanagement when I spent so much money to repair uh, things in the house. And we sold the property. I gave him exactly half. Six years later, the price of the house grew much, and I gave exactly half. Not a single thank you, but questioning if I held up anything behind him. It hurt. He never visited me in the hospital for six months when I was waiting for heart transplant. It hurt. Even in the office, just a couple years ago, we had a a challenging employee. She was right out of college. We hired her. We were good to her, trained her, showed her just about everything. But she began to make trouble, creating dissension among other employees. Leaving in the middle of the day without telling the supervisor was a list of a problem. She was on probation but no improvement. Her attitude got worse, so we fired her. Then through the social media, false accusation began to came in. She began to criticize our firm and me personally, saying that the company is politically incorrect for having church next door. That if you want to be promoted, in this organization, you have to go to his church. Another accusation was that Tim walks around. The president of the firm walks around late in the afternoon, late in the evening to see if anybody's to push people to work long hours. Long after around 7, 8 o'clock, I walk around the office to see who's working. And I asked them, what are you working on? How long is it going to take? It's going to take another two, three hours. That means you're going to stay until 10, 11 o'clock. Yes. Well, let me buy you dinner. Is that okay? I'll bring them dinner. That's what I do. She was never worked long hours. But she accused me, the fact that I'm walking around, taking care of our people, that I'm doing it to push people 
towards long hours. Then she writes, Tim walks around, kisses all the girls. Well, in our firm, just like our church, we hug. Nothing hurts more than having been falsely accused. Let's go back to Jesus. What happened to Jesus? He was rejected. He was ridiculed. He was misunderstood. He was mistreated. He was falsely accused. What's amazing is every single one of those things, it was foretold in Old Testament that it's going to happen. So that we don't misunderstand. The question really is, how did Jesus respond? Each and every time, he did not curse at God. Each and every time, he did not lose control. He remained cool. He remained silent. He did what was pleasing in the eyes of the Lord. Furthermore, he knew that this was going to happen because it was foretold in the Old Testament. It was not a surprise to him because he knew something great would come out of this mistreatment and misunderstanding. As a believer, when you're going through some tough times, when you are being mistreated and you're misunderstood, know that with confidence because of messianic prophecy that something great will come out of it. That's the promise and that's the hope. What do all this means to us as Christians, as children of God? Everything that happens to us has a reason, has a purpose, that is all in his plan. If we, if we bear it gracefully, we will see his plan unfold for us. In the beginning, she just could have done something that we would do, but he didn't. Not only that, when he was born, his coming was anticipated. Through messianic prophecy of the Old Testament, he was anticipated. The entire nation of Israel was waiting for the Redeemer to come because they believed in the Old Testament. When he was born, people knew about him, that he was coming. Including three wise men and the king Herod. And of course, serpent, the devil, knew it too. When he was born, serpent began to make its move to strike the heel or strike his heel. King Harold ordered to have all the boys in Bethlehem, younger than two years old, 
to be killed. They knew. Because they knew it was foretold in Messianic prophecy. Then Jesus appeared in public performing miracles. People were amazed and people began to flock to him. And as gospel progress, Jesus became increasingly lonely. And on the cross, he was all alone. He was completely and totally misunderstood and was mistreated. And these were all foretold in the Old Testament, which is a great encouragement to us as believers that God is in control during our times of trouble just as well. So let's look at some of the Messianic prophecy and how they were fulfilled. First, he was rejected by his own people. Messianic prophecy in Old Testament says, even my own brothers pretend they don't know me. They treat me like a stranger. Isaiah 53, he was despised. He was rejected by man, a man of sorrow and familiar with the suffering. This was foretold way before Christ was born. In fulfillment in the New Testament, John 11 says he came to that which was his own. He came to his friends, his family members, but his own did not receive him. John 7, 5, for even his own brothers did not believe in him. Messiah, Jesus was not believed. Isaiah 53, but oh, how few believe it. Who will listen to him? To whom will God reveal his saving power? Because no one believes him. Nobody will believe him. But how was it fulfilled? In John 12, even after Jesus had done all these miraculous signs in their presence, they still will not believe in him. This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah, Isaiah, the prophet. Messiah will be rejected. In Psalm 41.9. Even my close friend whom I trusted, he who shared my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. It was fulfilled in Luke 22. While he was still speaking, crowd came up, and the man who was called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him, but Jesus asked him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? Messiah will be falsely accused. Psalm 35, 11, ruthless witnesses come forward. They question me on things I know nothing about. And it happened in New Testament. Mark 14, 57. Then some stood up and gave this false testimony against me. We heard him say, I will destroy this man-made temple and in three days will build another not made by man. He will be hated without cause. 
Psalm 69, those who hate me for that reason outnumber the hairs of my head. It so happened, John 15, 24, if I had not done among them what no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now that I have seen these miracles, or now that they have seen these miracles, and yet they have hated both me and my father. But this is to fulfill what was written in the law. They hated me without reason. That's messianic prophecy of Old Testament and the New Testament. You know what's interesting? Just think about it. Remember the Last Supper? We know what it means today. But think about it. How would you have reacted when someone you respected, someone you followed, someone you kind of you know, hung out together all these years, and all of a sudden he says, this bread is my body. And he raises cup and this is my blood. If you look at the Bible, he did not explain. Why didn't he not explain? If he explained things, when things happened, when people mistreated him, all he had to do is explain. Say something. Well, this is the underlying question we should be asking as we study this topic of messianic prophecy of misunderstood and mistreated. Why didn't Jesus explain himself? Why? This is where our faith comes in. This is where our confidence and grace comes in. Because Jesus is interested in people believing without sin. Because that's the faith. And Jesus did not like people asking for signs, for belief. He did not like when the Pharisees asked for signs in exchange for their belief. In other words, believing in him is not for sale. Why didn't Jesus explain himself? He wants us to have faith without having everything explained. Remember when Jesus performed all the miracles? It's in every time. He would say to his disciples, shh, don't say anything. Told them not to say anything. What does this all mean to us? As believers... We should expect to be misunderstood and sometimes face mistreatment for the sake of gospel. When we are misunderstood and mistreated, this is where the good news comes in. This is when God comes into our lives ever so strongly. By finding us favor in his eyes. By showing us the way. 
by giving us a new path we never thought possible, even considered. Why do we have do we have messianic prophecy that depicts how Jesus will be misunderstood and mistreated? First, it is to foretell exactly what would happen to Jesus so that when these things happen, we will know that you and I will know that he is true Messiah. Second, is to give us hope. That even though all these things happen to Jesus, the fact that it happened to Jesus confirms us that when we are misunderstood, when we are mistreated, we are to be comforted that God is at work in us. 1 Peter 2.21 says, This suffering is all part of the work God has given you. Christ who suffered for you is your example. Follow in his steps. When you are mistreated, when you are misunderstood, don't be alarmed. God has a plan. As long as we stay in course, as long as we remain silent, as long as we do the things that is pleasing to the Lord. Application, how do we apply this? If you are suffering at the hand of others right now, have a hope. God is at work to show you new insight and new direction. That's what we want, right? New perspective and new direction for life. That's when it comes. If you're suffering from past memories, have hope. Because God is reminding you to stay away from the old days or old ways. If you're having a hard time bearing undeserved suffering, have hope. God is at work on your perseverance and show you a new door as your faith in him continues to grow. One of my favorite things that I like to say about the insight, about the perspective, is life is not always about victory. It's also about suffering. Suffering and the victory, they go hand in hand. We can't just sing about resurrection of Jesus Christ. We also have to remember his suffering because his sacrifice, his suffering, and the resurrection, they go hand in hand. Without suffering, there's no resurrection. Without sacrifice, there's no resurrection. You're being mistreated. You're being misunderstood. It's way to that victory and to that resurrection that you so desire in your life. Being mistreated and misunderstood, guess what? was privilege for Jesus because it was part of God's plan, the messianic prophecy. 
being mistreated and misunderstood was Jesus' privilege. Yes, it's a privilege. And when we are mistreated, misunderstood, it can be also our privilege because God has proven through the Messianic prophecy that he is in control. Philippians 1.29 says, For to you has been given the privilege, not only of trusting him, but also of suffering for him. Suffering, trusting, they come as package. Sacrifice, resurrection, they come as package. When we are suffering, when we are being mistreated, when we are being misunderstood, God is shaping us. Hebrews 2.10 says, should make the author of their salvation a perfect through suffering. We, Christ has become perfect through suffering. The notion of the salvation, the grace has become perfect through the suffering, through the his sacrifice. So when we are going through tough times, troubles, whatever it may be, know that God is in control. That's the confidence we get from messianic prophecy. That it has been all foretold that it's going to happen. And God has planned for you as well. He's giving you mistreatment, misunderstanding for a reason. He's in control. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much. For your great...